Well, this morning I want to begin with a little scavenger hunt. All right, anyone up for a scavenger hunt? I have hidden a track like this somewhere in the church. You found it. You found it where? Where? In the pew Bible. Okay. In fact, in fact, let me see it. Hold it high. Oh, oh, we got another one. Corn Force got another one. Where'd you find it, Corn Force? In the pew Bible. Okay. Up, up. We got one here. Right. We got one here. Scavenger hunt. Hint, hint. Keep looking. Everyone. I got it. Up. Adam's got one. Adam's got one. You found one. You found amazing. Who has not found one yet? That's all right. You found one. Yeah, you found one. Good. Lynn Lundberg, you found one yet? How about how about you look in the in the pew in front of you, like you might find one? Oh, we got one. We got some. Oh, you guys not finding any? How about how about in the in the in the books behind you? Maybe you've got some hooks. Looks behind books behind you. Maybe you find one there. Uh, you got one, Adrian? Up you in the far in the in the room over there. You got one? Can I hear from the far room? Did you find any? You found some. Okay, good. Okay, everyone. I think I have enough. I think everyone should have one. <clears throat> and for you at home, <laughs> sorry. No, but, but good news, I have it electronically for you. This is, a, this is a tract. Good job, Thatcher. Great job. I just want to begin this morning by reading through this, this gospel tract. Little, little pamphlet describing about how to become a Christian. Um. There's a guy in a, in a grumpy, he's in a green shirt, and he's, he's sort of grumpy, looking into the darkness, right, shunning the light that's behind him. And then uh, at one point, then he, he turns around, and he says, wow! And uh, the guy in the green shirt's talking to the guy in the, I'm calling it a blue shirt, though really it's a, it's a blue-green shirt. He says, hey! He says, look at this! And then if you open it up, then the next page... He says, no, seriously, like, turn around, just look at this. And uh, the guy in the blue shirt grumpy says, no, I like what I'm seeing here. He says, but that's just darkness. The guy in the blue shirt says, yes, I'm comfortable with it, but this is light. I know, I can see the reflections, but that's nothing compared to this. I enjoy looking at the reflections, what he says. But this is beautiful. What are you, some kind of fanatic? You should really turn around. Are you judging me? You're judging me, aren't you? This is incredible. Everyone should see this. Hey, I like what I have here. I accept what you've got. I, you just accept what I've got. But this is it. What you've got is nothing. Nothing? You closed-minded, arrogant... I'm not going to say those words, all right? I've got to get closer, he says. How can he say I've got nothing? Why, I've looked this direction for years, for years and years. I think after all those years, I would have at least seen something. Well, maybe I should take a look. But what if it's not what I hope it is? What, what if I'm disappointed? At least this way, I can still have all this nothing. And he turns around and says, well, maybe a peak wouldn't hurt. So he turns around, he says, everyone together, what do you say? Wow, why did I wait so long? He said, and then the guy in the, the blue-green shirt turns to the guy in the purple shirt and says, hey, look at this. And the guy in the purple shirt then says, no way, I, I, I like what I have here. 
how typical it is to the, the gospel reality. And then afterwards, right, it quotes John 8, 12 that we looked at last week. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The track then continues to speak about sin and, and forgiveness and eternal life that all comes through faith in Jesus. And my message this morning is appropriately then entitled, The Gospel is Light. The Gospel is Light. It's appropriate that Brian turned on our, our cross here. That's really what we're talking about, the gospel. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the cross. We're talking about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. This is the third of our Christmas messages around the theme, the light of Christmas, the lights of Christmas. And my aim in these messages really to lift up the darkness from 2020, which by all accounts has been a bad year. We've had COVID-19, which has caused some lockdowns has separated us. We've been alone. We've been apart. We've faced unrest in the civil unrest, racial tensions, politically divided nation. We've got fires out west. And now even here this past week, we've had storms out east. And I'm hoping that just the consideration of this topic, the lights of Christmas, will help us be free from the darkness. And uh, I think uh, that my topic this Christmas season, as, as, Brian, as Ryan Brown really chose it for me, it's really appropriate, though, for this Christmas season, even more so than we ever thought. I was talking to a couple guys this week as I, as I meet regularly with some men of the church, and, and they were talking with me about how appropriate this theme of light is for 2020 because they both talked about how the effects of 2020 have, have affected so many people. And uh, one guy even described it to me like this, like there's this, this general fog over our nation and over our world right now, as if the, the sun isn't shining at all. It's just like kind of this, this malaise that's come over as people have been apart, they've been separated, we haven't been able to be together, whether festively or even for any events, not really being together in all of our, our fullness. It's almost as if the doldrums of winter, winter without seeing the sun for weeks has come upon us. Uh, even this whole year. You know, it reminds me of the condition called SAD. You familiar with that? SAD? Seasonal Affective Disorder. It's what people have come up with, this term to describe the depression that's related to the change in seasons, particularly the, the winter seasons and the depression that comes when you're, you're forced to remain indoors and, and out of sight of sunlight. And uh, I, I know someone who suffers from SAD. It's my lovely wife. <laughs> She grew up used to the sun all the time when it, the land where it hardly ever rains. And uh, so she has then come to Illinois to struggle with the long months of indoors, the very little sunlight, and it's often difficult for her. And uh, so uh, this Christmas, I tried to sympathize with her to show her that I, I, I care about that. We had all of our kids um, in our home. Uh, the last weekend, SR and Jenna flew from uh, Durango. Thursday you came? Thursday really late, like almost Friday morning? Wednesday. So it was early Friday, Thursday morning, like 1 in the morning. They'd been with us, and Caleb and Carissa came up from Bloomington. And so all of us together were together. So our Friday night was Christmas Eve. So we did Christmas Eve sorts of things that we always do. We, as a family, our tradition is to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Um, actually, we have our... our uh, we often come here Christmas Eve for candlelight service, and so we watched a video I made of a candlelight service. Maybe I'll put that out in the weekly words. It's very funny to see Ruthie, you were dressed up as Mary, and, and Colin was uh, you <laughs> or Joseph, and 
And uh, you will all like that video as I show it to you. The, the kids were, were stellar. So we watched that, that whatever, two-minute video that we had. Um, and so that was like our Christmas Eve substitute. And then we came back home for soup like we always have. And we had uh, our birthday cake for Jesus that we sang happy birthday to him on Christmas Eve. And then we watched It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, then Yvonne and I went to bed, and the kids probably went to bed about 2.30 that morning, that Christmas Eve this past Thursday. And then yesterday was Christmas for us. We woke up and had our cinnamon rolls, and we had a time of, uh, of uh, sharing gifts with one another. And one of the gifts that I gave to Yvonne was this. You guys know what this is? It's a happy light. It is, it is a, a, a light which you kind of shine on your face. And uh, so just, you know, I don't think it replaces the sun, but it is supposed to replace the sun. It's supposed to help with that. And so whether it does or not, I'm not exactly sure, but we're going to try it. And it's my expression of love and sympathy that I know Yvonne, Yvonne just hits the doldrums when uh, the winter comes and the sun is not there. And so I just sympathize with her in that. But it kind of feels like this whole, this whole year has been like that a little bit. And I've sought to bring some light out of this darkness this Christmas season. Two weeks ago, we looked at how Christmas is light. And there's something about Christmas that, that even brings out a, a cheerfulness in people. It's no accident. It's called Merry Christmas, right? Happy Christmas, right? I mean, people just say, have a happy and joyful time this season. Happy holidays is what our nation says and light and happiness and joy is evident in the Bible's description of Christmas. Simeon and Zechariah spoke of Jesus bringing light into the world, bringing, bringing brightness into a dark place. Last week we looked at how, how uh, wide Christmas' light is because Jesus himself is light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And throughout the Gospel of John, he identifies himself as light. He's the one that brings hope. He's the one that brings joy into the world. And this week, we're going to look at the good news of how the gospel itself is light. And, and this, this, by the way, is where you need to turn to get out of the darkness of this very time. It's the gospel alone that can give us light out of this dark time. You know, people in our world today try to escape the darkness of their separation, of the, the, the gloom that's upon our nation by maybe spending on gifts, um, Maybe um, binging on Netflix might be a way that people are trying to get out of this. Uh, banking on nostalgic feelings of maybe some of the music of times gone by where they have happy times and their Christmases. And, and those facing the biggest difficulties may even seek some counseling. Uh, I saw online that there's virtual counseling that is uh, available for people today. And there, there's even one, one side that said what to do if you're depressed during COVID, uh, during 2020. And there's even group therapy programs online like Emotions Anonymous. EA. Have you ever heard of that? It's a real thing. Well, emotionsanonymous.com. Just trying to bring any sort of relief and happiness to sorrowful, difficult downtimes. And I just say this, church family, the only way genuinely out of that is through the gospel. Anything else might be temporary, lived at best, but it's the gospel that's going to bring you out, bring you light, bring you the freedom of knowing the truth which sets us free. So this morning, as we consider the, the theme of the gospel's light, I want to focus our attention on one verse of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. You can open your Bibles and, and turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. And, and I've chosen this verse because the, the Scripture really links with us the, the coming of Jesus, bringing light and life into the world, which only comes through the gospel. 
I was thinking about how there's no more appropriate morning to talk about this, that the gospel is light, than this morning, December 20th. Do you guys know what tomorrow is? What's tomorrow? December 21st. You guys are good. Okay, what is December 21st? It's the first day of winter. And you know what happens the first day of winter? The shortest day of the year. We at Rock Valley Bible Church, we celebrate June 21st, which is the longest day of the year when many of us go to Rock Cut State Park and we enjoy that sun as it stays out as long as it can. And then we come home maybe about 930 or so. But the sun tomorrow will go down about 430 or so. And uh, it's the shortest day of the year, which, by the way, I I sort of like because every day after that, every day is going to get a little longer and a little longer and a little longer and a little longer. So it's all good ahead. So today is the day in which we see the the light that is coming ahead. But 2 Timothy 1.10 will guide us in the light. It will guide us to the light, to the truth, to the freedom. And in the context of 2 Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy, his young disciple. He's urging him on not to be timid or fearful, but chapter 1, verse 6, to to fan into flame the gift of God which is in him. Right, Minister the word of God. Be a faithful pastor. And urging him to be a zealous minister of the word. Not ashamed of the gospel. Verse 8 nor of Paul's imprisonment for the gospel, but boldly trusting in the power of God to stand firm on the gospel. And I want to pick up in verse 8 to kind of catch us up to verse 10 is where our, our focus is going to be. Paul says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now we see clearly the gospel mentioned here in verse 9. God speaks about God saving us, not because we're good and righteous in and of ourselves, but because of God's purpose for our lives. It's God's grace in our lives that comes through Jesus. And in fact, verse 9 speaks about how this is no Johnny-come-lately plan. This is a plan that came about before time began. Look there at the end of verse 9. It says this, He saved us and called us a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of, here it is, His own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before ages began. Literally, before times eternal. Before the creation of the world. Before the in the beginning is when God decreed and planned our salvation. In other words, right? Before time even began, he, he had planned to save sinners. Before we'd done anything good or bad. Before we'd even existed, God gave Jesus to us. That's why our salvation has nothing to do with us. That's why we are saved, not because of our works, because our salvation was given and determined in eternity past when God gave Jesus as a gift to us. Now then, in the course of time, what was promised came into fruition as God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. And that's what we see in verse 10 this morning. I'm simply going to call it Christmas. We see that in the first part of verse 10. And which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. This is Christmas. The appearing of our Savior Jesus 
Christ. Jesus appeared on earth as a savior. And notice here, Jesus didn't come into existence when he came upon earth. He appeared on earth. In other words, that which was not visible before became visible. That which is spirit became flesh, made visible for us, us to see. In fact, that's the, the phrasing of chapter of First Timothy, chapter one and verse 16 <clears throat> about the confession of the mystery of godliness that Jesus was manifested in the flesh. And he came and we saw him. Well, maybe not we did, but humanity did. The shepherds who came in from the field saw him in a manger. Simeon, who was waiting in the temple, saw him as a baby. The disciples who walked with him for three years saw his ministry, talked with him, touched him, listened to him. And so did many, many other Jews, especially those who had diseases and had needs and really came to him. But also the the religiously powerful people, Pharisees and Sadducees, the politically powerful people, Powerful people like Herod and Pontius Pilate. They saw him come into the flesh. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. God in the flesh. Emmanuel. God with us. That's what 2 Timothy 1 verse 10 is talking about. It's talking about Jesus appearing as our Savior. It says that he appeared the Savior Christ Jesus. I mean, even his name is significance. The Christ is the Messiah. And Jesus, this is the very name that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary. He says, you shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Because Jesus means Savior. He's Yeshua. He's the one that brings the, the salvation. He came to be our Savior, to save us from our sins, to save us from the wrath of God and from the terrors of hell that our sins deserve. And that's the good news of Christmas, is that that with Christmas brought Jesus, then, who who brought us life. Look there again in verse 10. It says, to which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. There's life. There's there's, um, Christmas, rather. Who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's the reality of what Jesus did. He, He abolished the dark things like death. And he brought to us, my second point, he brought to us life. Christmas brings life. In other words, right, Jesus coming to earth in the flesh brought life to us. That was his goal. That was his mission, right? We were perishing, but God came to save us. A couple weeks ago, I talked about Louis Zemperini in the, in the book uh, Unbroken, right? And he was saved at the 1945 uh, Los Angeles um, revival meetings with Billy Graham. And uh, one of the things that happened with him is that, that he was out and he was drifting. He, his, his airplane crashed and he was drifting in the ocean on a, on a life raft. And, and that's, that's really sort of a, a picture of, of what God did during Christmas time. It's a picture of a fighter jet in war. It's shot down and crashes and survives somehow. The people survive. And then they're on this life raft, just, just meeking out, eking out existence, you know, just, just floating there. Wasting away in light of all the sun, maybe trying to catch some fish to eat, maybe trying to catch some rain in order to have some fresh water. Just life being sucked out of them, drifting on the ocean. Until command center sends out the people on a rescue mission which scans the ocean surface and sees those who are on a path to death, identifies them in the ocean, and then sends a ship to go down and scoop them up because they know exactly where they are. That's what Jesus did with us. God sent his son on a rescue mission to find us. And we who were just just managing, just trying to survive, 
very much on a course of death. He saved us by giving us life. And he did it by abolishing death. That's what verse 10 says. It's been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. Here's Jesus who came in the flesh and he abolished death and brought life to immortality to light through the gospel. And of course, that's what Jesus did upon the cross. Dying himself upon the cross, he abolished death for us. You know, one of the greatest classics of Christian literature is John Owen's treatise on the death of Christ. It's called this. The death of deaths in the death of Christ. And just that title of the book alone is is worth, um, worth meditating on. As John Owen wrote, the death of death in the death of Christ. See, when Jesus died, he abolished death through his death. He wiped it away for those who believe. And this really, this ought to bring us to a place where really we don't fear death. Because Jesus defeated death for us. And I just say this COVID season has brought out many fears. And one of the greatest fears it brought out is the fear of death. You know, we were around our, our dinner table yesterday just talking about COVID um, and uh, just how it's brought out the, the fears of, of things like this. And we were around the dinner table talking with all our kids and our their spouses and uh, discussion came to COVID and we're talking about one things we've learned and uh, one of our, our kids and friends just said, uh, yeah, we've just been learning the reality of Philippians one twenty one, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Right. That's what Paul says, right? To live as Christ and to die as gain. Why is dying gain? Because death has been abolished in the death of Christ. And on the one hand, it's so easy to say and yet it's so difficult to believe. It's so easy to say and so hard to live and um just really thinking about that do you really in some regards right do you long to die do you long for gain do you long for something better now there's ways in which you have a family which it might be better to stay around for your family that's exactly the context of philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 when paul says yeah to live is christ to die is gain but but you know what if i remain on in the flesh it's better for you and so to remain on in the flesh is better for our family, right? And we ought to take precautions, certainly, right, to avoid uh, the reality of death and things like that. But, but it really has come up in COVID, just a fear of Christians, right, that, that we have of that. But, but what it teaches here is that our, our death is gain. The gospel teaches the reality that death has died in the death of Christ. Jesus abolished death is what verse 10 says. He abolished death. He brought it away and he brought us life. But just consider how Jesus abolished death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, because we have flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same things. Jesus himself became flesh and blood. Why? That through death he might destroy the one who had the power of the death, that is the devil, and might deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. There's a slavery in which we have under sin and a slavery of that their sin is going to take us to death. As Adam and Eve sinned and brought death to this world, so also we, we will sin. We have sinned and will bring death to us. But there's one who came and bringing life to us. And that was the baby born in Bethlehem who came to die upon the cross and raised from the dead that we might not fear death. In fact, in our prayer meeting this morning, we considered Revelation 21 verse 4. It's a prompting for us to pray. It's how we prayed for all of us here today. Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Listen, right? We might not fear death, because there's a day when death will be gone. It's the gospel, that's the, the good news. As he abolished death and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This immortality, this is what Jesus promised in John 3.16, right? Life forever. That's immortality. That's never dying again. And that comes, my third point here this morning, through, through the gospel. That is, through faith in Jesus Christ is when life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. See, it all began in Christmas time when God became a man and dwelt among us. The plan of life was, was clear about Jesus from the beginning that we read in the Christmas story. In fact, even we read the Christmas story together as a family yesterday as we, we do our, our annual tradition, which SR says he despised growing up. I didn't really know that until he just told us that story that we'd be about all the presents around the tree as we celebrate our Christmas yesterday. And then Dad pulls out his Bible and he reads a Christmas story and as us talk about the Christmas story and why we're doing gifts and putting it all in a context. Well, that which you hated, we, as a child, we did yesterday, but I trust it was good. As we just read that and we just went around and just made observations just about the text, reflecting upon God's saving plan that this baby born in a manger, in and amongst all these smelly animals, would be the Savior of the world. That's the gospel. Is that he came and it was clear right from the beginning. In fact, you can turn over to to Luke chapter 2. This is the uh, last message before Christmas, or this last Sunday message before Christmas. The chapter is called The Christmas Story. I want to read a portion of it for you this morning. It begins with a census decreed from Caesar Augustus, which brought Mary and Joseph from Nazareth in the north to, to Bethlehem in the south to register. And while in Bethlehem, Mary gave birth in the barn with the animals, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a feeding trough. And that's exactly what the angel announced to the shepherds. I just want to pick it up here in, in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Right from the beginning, right? But before Jesus ever left the barn or the cave or wherever they, they held these animals, wherever it was, he was told these shepherds of what this little baby would do. A savior was born that day of the people of Israel. He was born of the line of David. Exactly like Psalm 89, which was read this morning, tells, tells us that the promise is for David and his offspring. One will rule over his people and here's a Savior born. The Savior was the Messiah. He was the Christ, the Anointed One. He's the Lord. He's the Master. He's the Sovereign over all things. And the angel told those shepherds that message was, verse 10, I love this phrase, it was good news of great joy. In other words, it was a good thing that Jesus was born. And it ought to bring great joy to our hearts this morning as Jesus, the, the light of lights, has come to earth to save us from our sin. And really, there's no better way to save us out of darkness in 2020 than to believe in the gospel, to believe in him who died for our sins, to forgive us and to bring us to God. And the angel continues in verse 12, predicting totally exactly what this would be. And this would be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And note here that the, the message to the shepherds was just surrounded by glory. This is the message of light. This is the message of glory that that first, before the angel spoke to the shepherds, the angel came in glory. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, and typically glory, right, the glory of God, it's it's pictured as it's unapproachable light. It's pictured as blinding light, right? For out from the, the throne flashes peals of lightning and thunder and, and just brightness before the Lord. This is the glory of the Lord. Is what shone around them. For these angels were in the darkness of the field. And this light shone upon them. And when the angel finished talking. The single angel was joined by a whole choir of angels. Verse 14. Who praised God saying glory to God in the highest. And here was the, the angelic host giving glory to God. Not just as one angel. But, but all of them together. Certainly the sound was much. The brightness was much. And indeed Jesus came as a baby. He came in glory, not, not himself in his own heavenly stature, but the angels who announced his birth came with glory. And this glory of Jesus was plain for all to see when he walked upon the earth. Remember John chapter 1 and verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his, what? We beheld his glory. Glorious the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the glory of Jesus that came in this angelic birth announcement was the glory that was plain for everyone to see. And the shepherds then saw him. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, right, this glory which Jesus like went, went up, then the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Right? So I picture the shepherds. They came back and they, they related about this, this angel who came with the glory of the Lord shining around them, telling this message about this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then this whole, this whole angelic choir singing glory to God in the highest. And they're telling this story to all who are there. And all who heard it, verse 18, wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen had been told. I mean, that's the, the wonder of Christmas. That this baby announced with angelic glory, confirmed by the shepherds who saw these things. And then we leave Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, with Mary processing what had happened to her. We see her, verse 19, pondering them in her, her heart. Gabriel, months before, had promised that she would have a son. But she was a virgin, so how could that be? She was just marvelous. She's thinking, how can that, how can that be? And then, and then, sure enough, she becomes pregnant and uh, has a baby. That which is impossible apart from the power of God. Then the shepherds came and explained all that they saw and heard. And this baby wasn't merely just, you know, that wasn't uh, some kind of... A dream that was not real. No, that was very real. And the shepherds coming confirming the reality of what was happening. And she's pondering these things in their heart. And, and then these shepherds go back, returning to their fields. What were they doing? In verse 20, they were praising God for all that they had seen and heard. And really then the obvious question of application for us this morning is this. Are you like Mary? 
Do you ponder the mysteries of heaven in your heart? Do you ponder the mysteries of the gospel, the, the marvels of the incarnation of Jesus in your heart? Do you really think about what, what is it that, that, that God became a man to this young woman, virgin? Or are you like the shepherds, right? Glorifying and praising God this Christmas season. I mean, they went out of their, their presence of, of Mary and, and Joseph and seeing that baby and seeing the barn, just, just marveling. Like, wow, everything that was prophesied us comes true. That, that, that came true. Are you glorifying God this Christmas season? Even through the darkness of 2020, are you finding your hope in the baby born in Bethlehem? Well, you know what? It might be easy for you to say, well, yeah, but if I had an angelic vision, I think I would probably live differently. I mean, if I saw an angelic choir performance, I mean, the crosses were good, okay? You're not quite like the performance of the choir, right? But it was very good, like just tremendous. Um, not quite like the heavenly host of the choir. You say, well, if I saw something like Latin the Gloria, I certainly would believe. But you know what? You've seen the glory. Maybe the glory in a little bit different way. You've seen the glory because you've seen the gospel. Turn, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're turning over different passages more than normal this morning. But I, I think because it's helpful, it shows the connection between light and the gospel. And it shows how in the gospel we see glory and it explains why people don't see the light. I mean, especially this Christmas season, as you know around, you know family members who don't, who don't trust in Jesus, don't see... The, they don't see the gospel. And 2 Corinthians says why. <clears throat> he says, verse 3, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And in their case, verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of of God. So here you have people, right? If you, if you, if you don't believe in the gospel, you, you are just like this guy. You just kind of stand there, the light of the gospel. I said, just vision the cross is behind me. And there's a light of the gospel. You're like, hmm, I, I like, I like this. I don't need to turn around. I don't need to see that. I need to go there, right? Why? Why don't they just turn? Because the God of this world, verse 4, has blinded their eyes from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of, of God, the face of Christ. And they don't even want to turn. They want nothing of it. They love the world. They're pursuing after the world and the things of the world. They're just blinded to this. And they won't turn around to see the glory. Just to encourage you if that's your case, turn around. Don't be stubborn like the guy in the green shirt or the guy in the blue-green shirt who... Just stubborn and say, no, I like this. What are you looking at? You're looking at nothing. You're looking at the earth, which will be gone. Look at the light. Paul even then says, verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And here this, this light theme goes back to creation. The same God that brought in from this darkness, he says, let there be light. That same, light, that same God who said, let there be light, is also the God who brought Jesus into the world. And, and, and he's the one that shines in our hearts the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we who believe have seen the gospel. We've seen the glory of God. Because Paul's writing to those in Corinth. Those in Corinth weren't 
weren't Mary and Joseph, and they weren't the shepherds. And those in Corinth weren't those in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Galilee. I saw Jesus walking about. These people have never seen Jesus, and yet God says that they have seen the glory of God, the light of the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Christ in Jesus, just by, by faith, believing in Him. Have you seen the glory? Are you like the shepherds glorifying God? Not it might be that, that God's blinded your eyes. And I just say this, if God, if it, God of this world has blinded your eyes, just turn around and be like the guys here who just turned around and see and look and see there's something more glorious to the cross than they have in of themselves. Well, one more text before I close. I'm going to close with some application for you. Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus then speaks about light. And we've been focusing this Christmas season on Christmas is light, Jesus coming into the incarnation and, uh, and how um, Christmas just itself is light, Jesus is light, the gospel is light. But you know what? We are lights too. As, as Jesus said in chapter 5 and verse 14, you are the light of the world. In other words, right, he's talking here about how is it the world is going to see the light of Jesus, but to see the little lights, who we are, the little lights, we're the light of the world. And he says this, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a light, light a lamp and put it under a basket and on a stand. I'm sorry. No, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, verse 15. But they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others. So may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says that we are the light of the world. And that we ought to shine forth for others. Now, there's a way in which we shine is different than Jesus. I mean, Jesus shines because he himself is light. He's like the sun, S-O-S-U-N. And we're like what? We're like the the moon, right? We merely reflect the light of Jesus is who we ought to be. But we are lights reflecting Jesus so that when they see us, they might see the source of that light. They might glorify God who is in heaven. And here's a real simple challenge for you. If you want to be a light, why don't you take that tract, which I know you all had because you all, all waved it about, and give it to somebody this week. Whether that's today, after church, you go to Walmart and you just give, give the light to somebody and just give them an opportunity to be a light yourself to them. Maybe someone you know that's better to give it to someone you know who's walking in darkness because at least if they have questions, there's a, a place to talk about that. But just be a light to somebody. I think there were 100 tracks here. Let's give out 100 of them and just be polite and um, whatever. Maybe you want to put gloves on so in, the, in our day and age. But you can just give it to somebody and just ask them just to, just to read it. Just speaks about the light of Christmas. And do that before Christmas. Do that when you're out and about, when you see sometimes a stranger or you see some sort of friend. I don't want any of us to have these, okay? I want them to give, and to, to be away. Because that, that's what our deal is, right? We are, we are lights. Who have, who have known what it is to walk in darkness and to trust in Christ and be, be broken from the darkness and set forth. And, and I think one of the things we're going to end with singing, And Can It Be? I, I requested the, the Ryan that we, we, we sing this because um, of the stanza verse 4. So as we think about this, And Can It Be? Right, That, that, that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. That's how, that's how we are lights. is when we, we marvel at the light of the gospel. Is, is how can it be that I, that I take a part of that? And then 
And then uh, Charles Wesley explains in verse this fourth stanza about long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. He described himself just caught in, in the difficulties of darkness and nature's night. Because of his sin, he was in darkness. But then, he's speaking to God. He says, Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. And I woke the dungeon flame with light. That, it, that is sin and the sorrow. He's just kind of talking about now he's seen the light. The light has come in. It's filled this dungeon with light. It says, I woke the dungeon flame with light. And my chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And that's really the message of the, the gospel being light. That we ought to rise and go forth and follow after Christ. Just trust that be your heart this Christmas season. To know that Jesus is the light. The gospel is the light. Christmas is the light. What a, what a more appropriate message to give to people. I can't think of any. Right, than to just tell them of the light and to be a light. So let's pray. Lord, I would pray that you would um, encourage us in, uh, um, in the experience of Charles Wesley. As you're really thinking about sin and darkness and dungeon and prison bound to our sin. And yet, seeing Jesus, the, the light that shines, having our, our hearts awakened to the light of the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Christ. And seeing Him and being, being stirred up afresh in Him. That we might go forth from this place realizing our, our sins are forgiven by trust in Him. No condemnation that we can dread. Because Jesus and all in Him is mine. And we don't have to face any condemnation for being in Jesus. Right? Because in Christ Jesus, He's, He's washed us clean and cleansed us. And His blood through faith and trust in Him. And so, Father, I pray this Christmas season that we might be those who, who shine forth our, our lights. That we reflect the glory of Christ. That we walk forth from this place in boldness and fear. Knowing that to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And knowing, O oh God, that Jesus is our hope and He is our light. And our, our trust is in the gospel. So stir us, O oh God, afresh. And even sing this song as a testimony of our own, our own hearts. But just how it is that we can have a part of you. It's only by your grace. And we thank you for your grace. Do your work through your word in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.